1: Welcome to Forward Progress here on the Hammer Betting Network. I'm Rob Pizzola. Joined as usual, I should say as usual, but it's just week two of the NFL by Clive Bixby. He will be my partner the rest of the way for this entire season as we react to this week's games and we look ahead to next week, hence the name Forward Progress. For anyone out there listening on Spotify, wherever you may consume your podcasts, Please hit the subscribe button. Please like the podcast if you do enjoy it. Uh, Obviously, it goes a long way for us. Other stuff coming up on the Hammer Betting Network today, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, a live episode of Charger to the Game with Ben Carey and Krabs. Ben Carey actually has a 5.1% ROI, plus 30 units on over 450 picks verified on BetStamp right now. So tune in 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Hit the books, Joey Knish and Brad Powers. Hopefully, Knish isn't eating his microphone this show like usual, and we can get him good with a good audio setup. But regardless, uh, that is a marquee, our flagship college football betting show. And then the Strokes game, I said it again. Every time I see SGP, I'm about to say Strokes game putting. The same game parlay, the SGP, Pat Mayo and Jason Weingarten, Spreadopedia, putting together a Monday Night Football Same game parlay, all of that on the Hammer Betting Network today. But Clive, let's talk NFL. Not a great day for me personally, opposite of last week. So for me last week, my big bets hit, my small bets didn't. This week, the small bets saved me from some major damage because the majority of my big wagers did not hit.
0: Yeah, I was kind of in the same boat. Uh, Only had... One significant side that did well, I had New England minus one and a half. And I think we talked about that a little bit last week is something I was looking towards. And then a couple of totals, one hit, one didn't. It was more for me props that got uh, a little bit slaughtered today. But it was the same thing that you're talking about. Like the big ones did not hit, you know, some of the smaller ones help bring up the pain or uh, I guess relieve some of the pain. But, you know, that's it's
1: week two. This goes with the territory. It does. It's a season of ups and downs. It does get painful though, um, especially when it seems like three quarters of the games end up being coin flips. I, I really mean that, where you're just coming down to the end game of whether it's the early starts or the late starts. And you're like, man, this could swing either way for me right now. Like this could be a great day. It could be a poor day. And I think especially today, there just felt like, again, so many games where late scoring some just complete randomness takes hold and i know that's what we're betting on but it's it's supremely frustrating on days where things look good for a while or do you feel like you have a chance and then everything just all goes to shit at once it just feels like there's a, a there used to be a, a tighter range of outcomes and it just seems so
0: much swingier now um like what happened with the Browns and the Jets game. And, and we could talk about some of these wild comebacks today, but there are a lot more of them. And I mean, the Ravens-Dolphins game was just a complete shock. It's it, it felt like a video game. It felt like I was playing Tecmo Super Bowl and, you know, some awesome
1: super comeback. That was one of my wins today, which was a Dolphins plus three and a half. Didn't actually even get a great number on it. Small closing line value, but... Uh, Ended up winning that, but yeah, we talk, there's three games today that come to mind as like absurd, which are the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Cardinals. And in the case of the Jets, that one is especially absurd because if Nick Chubb goes down in bounds, takes a knee, the game is over. And instead he scores a touchdown, prolongs the game and people you know over the course of the years it's been a hilarious conversation for the it comes from the fantasy guys right who are rooting for touchdowns but like why would he ever go down there there's like no chance the other team's gonna come back it's you know one in a million type of stuff and that's exactly why you go down because the the game is over you cement the the game completely and nick chubb has done this before he's had a situation where he has kneeled on the one yard line to end a game and people were going nuts like oh, chubb could have scored the touchdown But that one to me, even though it was like, you know, a garbage game, so to speak, in terms of Jets, Browns, not really a lot of appeal. That was the one where the game literally could have been cemented and it was not. And you just get, you know, a crazy amount of things to go in the Jets favor and they end up winning the game. Absurd.
0: Yeah, I feel like there's a lot more, I'll call them a mental mistake, I guess, Um but to that point, like, I think it all started with, uh, I think it was Brian Westbrook, I don't know, eight years ago or however many years ago it was. He was the first guy to do that kneel down, but it was the smartest thing in the world. And it the fact is, when you score there, it becomes a non-zero chance that you will lose the game. So might as well cement it, forget the stats, forget the numbers. I would say that even if I had an over in that game, like whatever it is, it is like, you know, that's how the game played out. But um, And even with, uh, you know, the Cardinals game that you brought up, the the fumble return for a touchdown. Nobody said this on TV until they started reviewing and the review took longer and longer. As he gets to the goal line and he does his little flip, I'm like, uh, was he in? Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, why would you? I don't understand. I've seen this in college and I'm trying to think of what I would do if I was a coach. I would lose my absolute mind. But, you know, you celebrate the win. But that's just like, I don't know.
1: That's the uh, Deshaun Jackson. I think he was the first to do that in the NFL. I believe it was against the Cowboys as well, where he caught a bomb over the middle of the field and kind of flipped it as he was going into the end zone. We see that once every few years. Um, it's not. It's not super rare, but that that was. You know, when you consider the drama of that game, like the 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 Kyler Murray run, where the play took 21 seconds and he ran 85 yards to to score, was nuts. The two-point conversion where they're reviewing it for five minutes because no one knows if A.J. Green caught the ball or not, which honestly, I think he probably did not catch the ball. This is someone betting the Cardinals today, but I think he didn't catch it. Um, But there's no conclusive evidence to overturn the call on the field, which I hate. I hate that in sports, by the way, that they just stick with the ruling on the field. It's like, okay, tell me what most likely happened on the play. Like go to a booth where nobody's seen the play. And they have to make a determination in there of what the call is going to be why is is the ref's ruling on the field so important? I don't understand, but there there's that one, but I'm I will you know I didn't I didn't tweet this today, I didn't mention it to anyone today it, call it like you just like a, a random intuition or feeling maybe it was just me being hopeful that I'd cash a bet. I felt the dolphins were not dead when they were down 35 14. I was kind of foreseeing this happening and maybe they would just fall a little bit short, but I was like, this game is not over because the Ravens are just going to, they're going to fall back into prevent. And I don't know why, how, how these teams we're talking about, you know, hunt, teams worth hundreds of millions of dollars. They have all the tools available to them and no one has figured out how to consistently protect the lead. I don't understand what's so difficult about a team just pretending like the game is tied as an example, but, you know, I I I I've, I've seen this happen year in year out, and it it just never ceases to amaze me.
0: It's it's mind blowing, and I don't understand it. I mean, maybe we'll eventually get a little closer to a little bit more of an aggressive defense in in those game states, the way that you do now with you know more two point conversions, more fourth down uh, attempts, things like that. But I don't know how many times you have to see a defense get carved up with big leads that you're just kind of given the game back your defense was good enough to get you into this state right like it's not like the dolphins were doing i mean Tua was playing uh, fine but keep continue to put pressure don't give him the opportunity to kind of carve you up and i mean Tyreek Hill looked great and it's just i don't i don't get it
1: Tua is going to be the guy that um like i just don't know i i don't he he's the guy to me there's always one where You look on paper. So the first two games this year, Miami's success rate on offense on passing plays is very high. Uh, EPA is very high. Obviously, that's going to happen when you have a six touchdown game today. But for some reason, he does not pass the eye test to me. Or maybe he just makes too many bad throws that I tend to weight those too highly or like they're ingrained in my head. I'm trying to think of a similar quarterback where I felt this way before, where um statistically speaking on paper they looked really good maybe Carson Wentz in his rookie year would be the one that stood out to me because I watched a lot of Eagles football there was a lot of comparisons to Dak Prescott and I was like no this guy this guy's not it he's getting bailed out on way too many plays but I don't know what it is I still have no idea what Tua is as a quarterback like absolutely no clue
0: in in a weird way it's different I thought of I used to think of Brett Favre that way with his decision-making and his gunslinger mentality and just doing a couple of dumb things, totally different arm strength, totally different style of quarterback. I get that. But I used to think that about him. And then Tua, it's like watching a pro golfer, you know, since you brought up, you know, stroke game, Um, you got your pro golfer that is just absolutely striping the ball. But then once in a while you see a shank or somebody duffs a chip and when you don't see that from anybody else at that level, that sticks with you. It's like that outlier that you can't forget. So I, I get that.
1: I guess the closest for me, now that I think about it, where I was way ahead of the curve, I mean, I'm I'm mentioning this because I ended up being right on him, would have been Sam Bradford, where early on in his career, people like, ah, you know, he's, he, he basically got a lot more praise than he deserved. And I would watch him. I'd be like, no, no, this he this is not it. And it eventually wasn't it. I still don't know what to, uh, I wonder how much of it is the weapons. Um, you know, Marcus Peters looked horrible for the Ravens today. First game back, he did not look anywhere near a hundred percent. I was wondering, I mean, if that was a mistake activating him, obviously they're thin at corner. He lost Kyle Fuller last week. Um, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Just crazy. Like, I mean, this is what we live for. Obviously this is why we watch this league is because of the drastic swings so it's great from an entertainment value perspective from a uh, wagering like anyone who had the Ravens minus three and a half today just like they probably would have went to sleep after the games and not even tuned in afterwards it actually reminds me a bit of e- I had the Eagles minus four last week against the Lions great number close six dominant the whole way backdoored you know it's it's can be a painful experience at times
0: as i saw the lines moving earlier today um i i did like the ravens minus three and it got there i just could not get myself to pull the trigger because i don't know what the dolphins are either um i did play the dolphins last week um i'm probably neutral to them versus the market i do believe in them um but i just i didn't have a good enough feel to to make that play and i that would have just been another insult to injury today. That would have, that would have been, yeah, you're done for the day. Like
1: <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's interesting that you bring that up um, in terms of, you know, having a numerical advantage, but not being able to pull the trigger. Cause this happens to me a lot too. But personally, I find that the spot where I'm more reluctant to pull the trigger is when the market has moved heavily for injuries. And I start to show a little bit of value on the other side and I'm like, Mm, has it moved really moved too far or am i not you know properly accounting for these so the example today would be the colts which i'm glad i did not play colts minus 3 obviously they get shut out um but to me that's a, a case where i think i could potentially be underrating the injuries they have at receiver because two of their top 3 wideouts are out and they're not particularly deep at receiver. So now you get a real problem. Plus I I do think that the market tends to you know we we overlook linebackers a lot of the time. We'll be like, "Ah, this guy's out or and obviously Shaq Leonard's a great player, but a lot of people will be like, "Ah, he just plays a position that doesn't matter." You know, and I don't agree with that. I think he's a, you know, there's a huge hole on that defense right now for the Colts. So that's one team that I'm, I'm going to be struggling to grasp going forwards and like whether or not we overrated the Colts or not, because people are calling for Frank Reich's head today, you know, which I think is insane because how many coaches out there are going to be better than Frank Reich that you bring in, right? If you're Indianapolis, for me, not many. I, oftentimes, sure, we need a scapegoat, but that that to me, Indy, 0 and one now, ties Houston, gets smoked by Jacksonville, there's got to be some skeptic- skepticism about that team that starts to creep into your head. And looking at next week's schedule, guess who comes to town off of Thursday night football? It's the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah,
0: they. Um, that was the one game so far today that I've watched back full in the in the condensed game because I didn't get to see a lot of that at one, and I was interested to see what happened. Uh, I did bet the Jags last week, and I, I do like them. I They're probably... Right around where I think they should be from a market rating perspective, but they um they absolutely torched the Colts on both ends of the field. Um, the Colts, I think, you know, as much as I think uh, Wentz is, I don't know what's the right word for him, uh, high variance. We'll call him high variance.
1: You've made the same mistake that I have about fourteen times on podcasts so far this year, Matt Ryan. I always I still consider the Carson Wentz as a colt but Matt Ryan yeah.
0: No no so what I'm saying is with Carson Wentz what they could do last year is he can move out of the pocket a little bit. He had a little bit of, of mobility. Matt Ryan just looked like a statue back there today. Oh, yeah. The the one time he tried to kind of scramble and make something happen in the red zone, I mean he looked like molasses
1: yep. drew bledsoe uh, it reminded me of drew bledsoe a lot um you know you're sorry your your point was lost on me originally but now i get what you're saying in terms of carson wentz may not be consistent from down to down but he gives you that playmaking ability here and there whereas ryan is just like i i mean i, I see the same thing as you sometimes i i watched him in preseason his arm looked good but now I'm watching him throw downfield, and I'm like, "Holy jeez, man! These are hanging in the air forever. This could be a real problem." Yeah, and if the pockets were when the pockets were breaking down a little bit today, he had
0: nothing to do, and you know, just wasn't able, they weren't able to get the ball downfield. So they're gonna then go as Jonathan Taylor goes, and if you can game plan around that, and you don't have the threat downfield i i think you have to drop your rating of that team like that's that's how i've interpreted what i've seen so far from that group
1: we will see if uh, michael pittman is back uh this week which would be a a a big addition for them this is going to be an interesting one because you're going to get the andy Reid extra rest uh type of angle that people do like to use when when kansas city plays a game on extra rest um if those teams played this week, if the if the Chiefs played the Colts this week, I would have made the Chiefs probably about a three and a half point favorite on the road. There is absolutely no chance that this line is going to be three and a half this week. We are looking at, if I had to guess, probably KC minus seven in that range, I think a lot of the 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 you know the sharps will be looking at the Colts if they can get a touchdown with them. But I this has to be an adjusted number to something like that. I would have to guess
0: yeah I, I wouldn't be shocked. I haven't seen what that number at was even like you know pre market, not pre market. Um, look ahead. I wouldn't be shocked now if it's five and a half six tomorrow morning, six and a half or seven that wouldn't surprise me either. Um, but three and a half is what I would have made it probably for this week. And now, no.
1: Yeah. I can already envision myself having like a numerical edge on the Colts and asking myself whether I want to do this to myself or not. (laughs) But I mean, when we, expectations, this was, this was a double digit win total team going into the year. Right. I mean, part of that was the schedule, obviously with the division that they play. But this was a team that people expected to win the division rather easily for the most part. And now we're talking week three, like they might be they might be cooked. I don't know. I mean, football is a very fickle game um, and we do tend to overreact to certain things. It would be tough to bet Indy based off of what we've seen. But seven, seven and a half, like I don't I don't know where this one's going to go. But they're going to be an attractive home underdog, I would say.
0: I'd be interested to see what the total opens at. And I think I might, if I was to make a play on that game, if you were to force me on something, it would probably be a Kansas City team total over. Um, With the speed that Jacksonville has, which isn't really a ton, they looked Mm -hmm. very, very fast today against that defense. So you put a great offense like the Chiefs out there, I could see um, some numbers really getting put up. And if the Colts do happen to play well and they could push the tempo a little bit, that just even more ammo for the Chiefs to score. So that's what I would probably look at.
1: The Colts have played two low scoring games. I would say probably high 40s, maybe a total in the 50s, maybe. Uh, If I had to guess like 49 and a half, something like that is the most likely scenario. But that'll be an interesting one to watch next week. Uh, Another one, Trey Lance fractures his ankle today. Gonna undergo surgery. His season's over. Jimmy G comes in. I view that as an upgrade. I think most people would view that as an upgrade. Um, I don't know how you don't at this point. I mean, I think you could have viewed Lance as having a high ceiling, potentially. But we know what Jimmy G brings. He runs the offense pretty efficiently. He did that today when he came in against Seattle. Didn't really make any big mistakes today, which was nice. Um, We're getting another Jimmy G-Russell Wilson matchup next week. The 49ers go to Denver to take on the Broncos. This will be also an interesting market for me to watch because the sentiment around the Broncos right now is like, you know, probably not quite as bad as the Colts, I would say. But a lot of people are certainly down on the Broncos now, having scraped by the Texans today, and then obviously the decision on Monday Night Football against the Seahawks last week to kick a 64-yard field goal at the wire uh, I think there's a lot of concerns with that coaching staff going forwards.
0: Not a lot to like out of what you've seen out of Denver so far. Like, what's the positive? I, I can't come up with one.
1: I can't either. And, and and to make matters worse, like they're drop, they're losing bodies now. Like Jerry Judy got hurt today. So another rec- receiver down, Patrick Sertan, their top corner. So it's not only like you're starting to see question marks with the coaching staff. Russell Wilson, I mean, that contract might age very poorly. He's not looking too hot. And then you add the injuries on top of it. uh, It's, you know, it's, it's very difficult. Again, it's two weeks, right? Could just be two games on the lower end of their range. We don't know. Maybe each passing week, Wilson gets more accustomed to playing in that offense. But to me, San Fran is... A tough matchup for denver they're very good in the trenches they upgrade at quarterback um you know it's not like it's a a super exhaustive travel for them in this game either it's not like one of those cross-country trips it's uh it, it's getting challenging to make a case for denver unless you just feel that you're getting a, a good number with the broncos like maybe the market is adjusting too much to these teams but that would have to probably be 49ers favor for me to to say that there's been way too much of an adjustment yeah
0: um that would be a game, I think, if Trey Lance had played. I mean, granted, we didn't even get to see the whole game from Trey Lance. We saw about seven seconds what it felt like. Um, that might have been a game that I would have looked to see what the under felt like based on sentiment. But, I mean, with Jimmy G back in, I mean, it, it's a much more efficient flowing offense with him there. Um, that's That'll be a game that I probably stay away with unless I feel like there's so much value in an overreaction against Denver, like you're mentioning. I. That's the only way I think I could pull the trigger there.
1: Well, I, like I again, w- what would the number be if they had played this week? If Jimmy G was starter, Denver's favored, right? Probably two and a half. Yeah, yeah, right. And now, I, I, I mean, I'll be floored if if the if Denver is two and a half. You know, by the by the time this podcast releases, I'd be surprised. I think this is probably going to open up around to pick them, just because I don't think that there is anyone really eager to back. Uh, Denver in this situation right now. Um, With San Fran, I think most people in market will view Jimmy G as an upgrade and relatively healthy team against a team that's pretty beat up. So it's just hard to make a case for Denver other than it just being a pure numbers play. If we get, like, it won't happen. But if, you know, if San Fran was a a favorite, you know, two and a half, three points, I I highly, highly doubt we're going to see something like that.
0: Yeah, and if Kittle can come back, I mean, I know he's... I guess on that edge of whether or not he's about to play again or not, but he is somebody that really does help the way that that offense works. Um, he is a big piece of what they do. And, uh, that would be if he's healthy, I could see, you know, the, the line probably should be one and a half to San Francisco with the way that I see things, but I don't know that it'll get to that.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, Denver was definitely a big letdown today. I think a lot of people who bet the Rams as a big favorite were let down as well uh, in the sense that they were covering for the majority of the game, took their foot off you know, the gas. And then all of a sudden, uh, the Falcons creep in the back door and actually even have somewhat like at least a Hail Mary opportunity to win the game, even though Marcus Mariota couldn't get uh, a pass off in that situation. They now go to Arizona next week. Cardinals coming off of a massive comeback. Uh, I'm extremely curious about this market because um, I I don't know how, how much of an adjustment is warranted from anything we saw today. Uh, I'm not high on the Raiders. I think the Raiders blowing that game, eh, it is what it is type of situation. Uh, the Rams were pretty comfortably ahead for most of the game. And then, like I said, foot off the gas type of thing. But I think a lot of people are going to be um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Will will not want to play the Rams going forwards because of the first two weeks of the season, right? Um, either they took them against Buffalo and they got smoked, or they just didn't trust them after they lose as a favorite today. I think there's going to definitely be a negative sentiment towards LA moving forwards. Yeah,
0: and as as we're talking through this, what's going through my head is, you know, are, are for some of these games that are these bigger favorites are the first half lines a better play? Like, is that something to look at or live betting second half totals, something along those lines, because we're seeing a lot of it. Like if when the teams are jumping up ahead, the scoring is flying in the second half. It's not slowing down. Um, and, and is that just a function of the types of defenses being called? Probably. Um, you know, I think you see a little bit more aggression, too, in terms of, of of time and clock management, no huddles and things like that across the league. So, you know, pace is, is an interesting factor. I think that game will probably open in the 50s somewhere. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, but I don't think that I mean, the Cardinals defense has underwhelmed for sure, but um, I don't love the Rams offense either but again, small sample
1: for sure. I mean, um, Arizona's dealt with some injuries on defense. They did get JJ Watt back. They got Marco Wilson back. Um, I think Trayvon Mullen is still out for them. Um, James Conner gets hurt offensively today. They're still dealing with some injuries at receiver Rondale Moore, Andy Isabella. Uh, not that Isabella is, you know, much, but it's a depth receiver. So that was a team that definitely last week was extremely unhealthy. They got Justin Pugh back on the offensive line as well for this week. So, um, not surprised to see a better performance out of them. I think this total is definitely in the fifties. I think we're probably looking at something like after this week, Rams three and a half on the road. Like if the Rams were three, they're an auto bet in my opinion. So the number can't be three. You know, if we get four, four and a half, Arizona's probably appealing to a lot of people. So I, I think probably three and a half is is likely what we're going to see as a number here.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably about right. Um. It's, I think they've probably, if I'm remembering correctly too, they've been the team that's had the largest line moves against them week one and week two, where I think they both moved two points off of three and a half, if I'm remembering right. Um, I don't remember what this week opened with uh, the Raiders at home. Was it three and a half?
1: It was. So I, I believe right angle sports released plays against Arizona in both weeks. So I believe Right Angle Sports had Kansas City and at Right Angle Sports had the Raiders this week as well.
0: And I, I didn't make the play, so I'm not going to say it, but I did think that was a little bit much for, for this Raiders team to be trusted there.
1: That game for me was the classic lesson of trust your numbers because I'm in the same boat. I played Arizona, not nearly as much as I should have. And I, I was giving myself the pat on the back midway through the game. I'm like, Rob, you know, you trust your instincts. This and that, no. Uh, should have trusted the numbers on that one. So that was money left on the table uh, for me. Um, we've gone through two that I mean, we've gone through a lot of disappointing teams. I want to add one more to the list here. Because the Bengals are now 0-2, having lost to Mitch Trubisky and Cooper Rush. Not what anyone would have expected going into the year. Quarterback they face next week will likely be Joe Flacco on the road at the Jets. I don't really know what's wrong with the Bengals. It's very difficult. They upgraded their offensive line in the off-season in terms of personnel. It's not playing better. But is it just a case of facing the Pittsburgh defensive front and then the Dallas defensive front? Like is it the is it the, the matchups that are making the offensive line look worse than it is? And I really wonder about that. So, I didn't
0: I haven't watched these games close enough to see what adjustments teams have made for the Bengals, but it seemed like, you know, Jamar Chase came out of nowhere the second half of last year. I mean, everybody knew what kind of talent he was. I mean, that, that wasn't a surprise, but you know um, and I briefly heard, you know, the halftime talk you were having with Suma and talking about not throwing the ball downfield, right? Like I didn't even love the Bengals last year. So I, I, I wonder how much of it is me, carrying that over and think that they kind of ran at the top of their range while some of the other teams ran towards the bottom of their range. And that's why they're overvalued because I didn't love them last week. This week, I don't know enough about Cooper Rush, so I didn't know enough to, to feel confident one way or the other to make a play there. Um, the only bet I made in that game was actually the under. Um, but uh, I, I just haven't loved the Bengals, period. So this isn't shocking to me as shocking it is to some other team or some other people. But that's just my perception of them. It just doesn't seem like they're moving the ball as seamlessly as they did late last year. And no big plays. Big plays just aren't really happening.
1: Agree with you. I I think what's really killed them is early downs. I especially noticed that against the Cowboys today. That's just a gut feeling. I'm going to quickly look up the numbers here. But yes, first and second down. First and second down, 49 plays, 33% success rate. So I found that Burrow was bailing them out a lot um on third down but they couldn't get anything going early it just felt like you know they're constantly in third and long and they were able to get something so they definitely need some better productivity on early downs and i i think when you turn that offensive line into one that's going to have to convert third and long over and over and over you're just going to get a bunch of pressure, uh, especially against the Pittsburgh, against the Dallas. So
0: you could easily see Parsons when he was pinning his ears back and just you know wreaking havoc. And, and TJ Watt did a lot of the same last week. So I mean, that's, it, that is a very logical game flow that, that you would think would happen.
1: I think of the New York Jets and I think week one, never in it against the Ravens. Um, you know, at least offensively, they couldn't get anything going. They play Cleveland this week. Despite winning, that's going to be a pretty fraudulent result in the sense that so many things had to go right at the end of the game for not only them to cover the spread, but to win the game as well. Um, it's I, I can already see myself on the Bengals next. I don't know what this number is going to be. But eight, eight, eight? I can't lay it with the Bengals because you're telling me now You know they closed seven against Dallas they're, they lose. I can't see them being higher than a touchdown.
0: Are they at home or on the road? They're on the road. Uh, six and a half.
1: That's what I feel like the right number should be. I have, but I, I you, you know how the NFL is, right? It's a week to week league. People are down on Cincinnati. Like, do do we think the sentiment is that people think that Cincinnati is still a good team because they have Joe Burrow, or is the sentiment that the Bengals? stink now because they lost to the Steelers and they lost to the Cowboys backup quarterback. And I don't know the answer because I know what I believe. I still think that the Bengals will be okay, but I feel like, you know, especially when you talk about, I'm not a big, you know, public percentages guy or whatever, but obviously the sports books needed Dallas today. the that's abundantly clear. So, so many people lost to Cincinnati today. So many people lost. How many people lost last week with Cincinnati against Pittsburgh, where the line went th- from six and a half to seven and a half? So now you have another team that people have been burned by. What what ends up being the, the, the correct number in this game? I could see this being lower than we expect, just because of the sentiment on the teams. I don't know how low. I would love to get a bargain with the Bengals, um, but... I, 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 I have a very difficult time pinpointing where because this could be anywhere in my opinion from like four and a half to seven. And I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's fair. I mean I don't I don't think the Browns are a particularly good football team. Uh they have a pretty good defensive front that can, you know, cause a little bit of pressure and whatnot, but other than that, um they kind of hinge on on Chubb. Uh so I don't know. So so to me I I don't change my rating of the Bengals. They're still what I think they were. The Jets are still what I think they were, so I I mean, if you're going to give me value at minus four, if it gets to or if that's what it opens at, I'd have a hard time not doing that. I just think they're on the uh, the wrong side of a really bad week one with five turnovers and just some big mistakes. But I mean, I don't think that's characteristic. And then this week, I don't know, probably the lower third of their range, still not great, but they're not a bad football team.
1: I uh, I agree. I, I mean, this could be another situation where the Jets' defensive line gives the Bengals' O line problems. Uh, I know I know Quinn and Williams got banged up today, so he's a guy that you'll want to monitor his status going forwards. But um, John Franklin Myers, Carl Lawson, Quinn and Williams, like they, they it's not the defensive line um, or you know the team that's going to be able to put as much pressure on the quarterback as the Steelers with a healthy T.J. Watt. Or the Cowboys with Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, but I mean, maybe we're in for a round three of the Bengals. Just like uh, I, I don't know. It's it's very that's a very difficult one. Um, few more. I'd like to definitely to get your thoughts on here um, going forwards. We actually do have some good matchups next week, which is which is exciting. Um, New England, another team that I I would say that I'm no clue. Like, you know, they win for, they cover for most people who bet New England this week. I unfortunately was that guy that watched the number move. uh, And I'm like, oh man, Mac Jones back stiffness. Like what, what happens if he's ruled out? I'm going to get a horrible number. So I'm watching it move, you know, one, one and a half, two. And then I'm sitting there, Mac Jones practicing. I'm like, ah, do I want to take like the two now? It's, you know, I don't have a ton. And the line just eventually gets away from me and I don't have anywhere near what I should have had on the Patriots this week, but rather unimpressive offensively, again, um, you know, the the Steelers offense, we you know, two offensive TDs now on 24 drives like that. Trubisky is, it's time to make the Kenny Pickett switch, in my opinion, at least try something different. But the Patriots will be hosting the Ravens next week, where... I, you know, prior to the year would have guessed Ravens minus three at New England. Has anything changed for me for these teams? I don't know. Like, I, I honestly don't know. The Patriots are very mediocre, but the Ravens just like, ah, uh, they, they leave something to be desired right now, I'd say.
0: Patriots just feel like a grinding, grinding team. Like not a lot of big play potential. I saw some of the throws that Mac Jones made today and kind of if it felt like he was kind of floating the ball out there. I mean, they did miss a field goal uh 48 49 yarder, I think, something like that. Um and then they did, you know, have a big drive at the end of the game to kill the clock and and finish the game off. So, they probably left a couple of points on the board for what they are, but the Steelers I think are what they are offensively. So, I, I don't know, the Ravens just got ransacked defensively, but I don't I mean, we saw we now have an example of the Dolphins playing the Patriots We have the Ravens playing the Dolphins and Dolphins put up big points in both games. I know it's not apples to apples, but I mean, if the Dolphins are a three point favorite to the new England Patriots, I mean, I think the Ravens have to be at least that. And I think the Dolphins probably should have been bigger than that anyway, week one. So I'm, I'm, Thinking out loud. I think, you know, three and a half,
1: probably. That's a valid point. Um, you know, the thing that gets me about the Patriots is that they played Miami last week. They have a forty-six percent success rate on offense, fifty-four plays, fairly good in terms of success rate, they manage seven points. They play the Steelers, forty eight percent success rate, sixty-five plays, they manage seventeen points. So something's breaking down somewhere where you know they definitely lack explosive plays. I know that Mac Jones hit a, a Nelson a, Nelson Aguilar made an amazing catch. Um, That's an outlier. That 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 was an underthrow by Mac Jones where Aguilar just went up and got it. But you know maybe it's just the lack of explosiveness for the offense. Devonte Parker is non-existent. He's he's just not even there. So I guess there's something to just not having enough top end talent. That where the Patriots do enough to like pick up some first downs, you know, on a, on a, on a per play basis, they're okay, but every drive seems to bog down. And I don't know, cause that, that wasn't really their offense last year. Like they were fairly successful offensively for the majority of the season, latter half of the year, it kind of went downhill for them a little bit. They got smoked by the bills in the playoffs, but I, I thought that they would be at least better than what we've seen, like 24 points in two games, um, you know, you could, you could say Pittsburgh has a great defense, but they don't with TJ Watt out. Uh, you could say the Dolphins, you know, uh, okay. They have a good personnel. I mean, they gave up 30 something points to the Ravens today. It's not like they, so it's not like they've played explosive defenses and they, they just can't seem to get it going.
0: So I look at their offense the same way. And this is somebody who grew up a Bears fan. Um, those Bears teams with their great defenses, which Patriots don't have, um, where it would just be, a major grind you'd hope to get some field position and get down the field and then you know you take your three you know your field goals when you get them that's what you happen most of the time and if you get in the red zone you know your red zone conversion percentage to touchdowns was pretty poor it's that kind of offense it's just there's no like who's the threat there isn't one um so when the field starts to get shorter and it shrinks like you know it's not i i just don't see them being efficient in that type of uh game state scenario
1: yes i hear you i think what's what's interesting to me most about ravens patriots and then we'll move on to another game here is just i think they're they're very uh they're teams that are on the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of where you would expect the total to come in right like to me the patriots are like a dead nut under team right right Um, no explosiveness on offense defensively, not great, but what they've done a great job of so far is like limiting explosive plays against the other team. If you think back to Miami last week, Miami only scored 13 points offensively against the Patriots. One of them was a fumble six when they scored their, they won that game 20 to seven Steelers, nothing today. Uh, whereas the Ravens, to me, are on the opposite end of the spectrum right now. They're back in a situation, which I noticed today, where they're blitzing heavily to generate pressure. The secondary, it's rough right now. Um, now, maybe that's just brought to light by Miami having very speedy receivers. We don't know. But I don't know how I would make a total in this game right now. Like uh, mid, mid-40s? mid Yeah,
0: yeah. Um... 46, 45 and a half maybe, 45 and a half I would think.
1: Um so so like my, my my so what I like to do is as soon as you say that, right? My instant reaction is I would bet under at that number, right? So I kind of am just going down the list and and we know 44 is a big key number in the NFL. So I I kind of feel like it has to settle around that at at some one way or another, it has to settle around 44.
0: Yeah, that's probably a, a good that's that's a better way to look at it than I just did. And what I'd say is we talked about this last week with certain mismatches, right? Like Miami was able to take advantage of a weakened Ravens secondary because of the weapons that they have. And, you know, good to it. We'll call them good to it. Can the Patriots do that? I don't think so. So I don't think they can exploit that weakness, which is why maybe I'm overvaluing the Ravens as a whole. But to what you're saying around 44, that does actually make a lot of sense to me. And, and maybe 45 and a half would be a little bit a a hair too high because if you're going to give it a three and a half point spread you're looking at 24 21 and that's probably not realistic
1: right yeah this is that's going to be a tough game to peg i'm I'm interesting to to dive into that one a little bit more this week the patriots do really you know they smell like a team where they're going to play a lot of close games so when you see a spread like three and a half for example if that's what it is It's going to be enticing to get that three and a half. Now, I know they lost 20 to seven as a three and a half point dog in week one, but they just have the vibe of a team that's going to be in a lot of close games. To me personally, obviously numbers dictate the plays, um, but that's that. The New York Giants are 2-0 and with a point differential of plus four through two weeks. I don't even know how they really won today. Um, I say that as someone who had money on the Panthers, Panthers fumble the opening kickoff of the game. I'm already pulling hair out. I'm watching Ben McAdoo call the worst plays I've ever seen for the Carolina offense. Like the giants, like, can they be for real? I I mean, am I just, am I just dismissing them because they've, they've won two close games where I think they deserve to have lost, or maybe they've turned the corner under Brian Dayball?
0: So the way that I I look at it is, and it's just this is an example, and this is one one play where you know they took advantage of Daniel Jones' strength, did a bootleg, and he ends up turning that into a first down to pretty much you know seal up the game, which are things that didn't happen in the old regime at all. How much can I really rank up the team for that? Probably not a ton, but whatever I had them at at the end of last year, I'd probably put them up a tick, maybe a half or, or maybe a full point in terms of like a power rating. But the the Giants have played Tennessee, who I look at as a bottom third team. Unfortunately, the Panthers, who I have an affinity for, are a bottom third team too. Um, so they're those three teams are all relatively equal to me. Um, maybe the Panthers are probably the the least explosive out of the three offensively, but have a, a better defense, I think, than the other two teams. So it's it's kind of a mix in, in a match. I think the Giants are on the favorable end of what they should be one and one to your point.
1: They are going to probably get some reinforcements back soon um, in the form of some pass rushers. Kayvon Thibodeau making his debut will be one. Um, Aaron Robinson, one of their starting cornerbacks, had an emergency appendectomy this week. I don't really know what the timelines are for that before. I've had that surgery when I was younger and I played sports. It took me like four weeks to get back. But nowadays, these guys are back in like a week, two weeks. Um, So he's, I mean, possible for Monday night football against the Cowboys next week. But I'm looking at the Giants now. Uh, Series conversion rate. I think I talked about this last week. It's the rate at which a series starting on first down earns a new first down or a touchdown on that series. The Giants once again had one of the lowest numbers in the league, 64.3%. They ran 71 plays on offense today. They had a 32% success rate. I offhand, I believe that was the worst mark in the entire NFL today in terms of success rate. What was the
0: total I, amount of yards in that game offensively? Around 500 ish?
1: Yeah, had to be around there. I don't have it off the top of my head, but it was very like it was a struggle for both teams. What I didn't really love with the Carolina game plan, and listen, I'm, I'm a guy that's like, you have to pass the ball to win in the NFL, but Carolina was running the ball fairly effectively all day. They just only ran the ball on 18 of 58 plays, and I couldn't really understand it because I felt like every time they were giving McCaffrey the ball, he did have the long run, which skews things, but... 102 on 15 carries for McCaffrey. Feed you got to get guy. the ball in
0: his hands as often as possible. So whether it's screen plays, um, you know, straight run plays, whatever. Uh, so it looks like maybe 540 yards in total today.
1: 275 for Carolina, 265 for the Giants, which I mean, I am in tune with the Cowboys because I'm a Cowboys fan and I am in tune with what the look ahead number was in this game, which was Giants minus four and a half hosting Dallas for Monday night football. I don't think that there's any possibility that you can open a four and a half and not get flooded with Cowboys money, especially with Dallas beating the Bengals this week as an, as a seven underdog. So it almost feels like it has to be like, I feel like it has to be three, right?
0: I think three and a half is too much. You'll still get a lot of Dallas money, two and a half. You'll get a lot of giants money. So it'll probably end at three. Maybe, maybe if people don't believe in, in, Cooper, maybe it's a juiced three, but I don't think anything more
1: than that. What I will say is that we do have now back-to-back weeks where I would say that the Giants' defense played well. Um, Today, again, I don't think it was a great offensive game plan from the Panthers, but I do think that the Giants' defense played well today. I think that their offense is horrible, frankly. One of the worst in the league so far through two games. Granted, they've had like a few glimpses in the second half of every game, usually to seal the game or when they've had to come back against the Titans last week. Um, The Cowboys generate a ton of pressure. Like it's, it's the first two weeks against the Tampa O-line, which is, you know, not great right now. Um, And then today the Bengals O-line, they generate a ton of pressure. I I don't know that this total cannot be in the 40s, I don't think. Or else it's just going to get straight money down to the under.
0: If it was 42, I would hammer it, so yeah. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. Even 41, I, I, 41 being a key number, right? Um, not not so much nowadays, I guess, as it used to be. But that that that's just straight money on the under, I think, anything above that. So you get one of these situations, Clive, where it's, I wish these teams were just playing other teams next week. Like, why can't the Giants be playing someone who might potentially be a little bit undervalued and the same with the Cowboys? We have this, you know, head-to-head on two teams that I think might be a little bit overvalued heading into week three. uh, And unfortunately, they're head-to-head with one another.
0: Yeah. And I I think the way you're pinning it's probably right. So, So let me ask a question. Who would you look at as probably, without seeing opening lines for next week, as the most undervalued team going into week three? Is it Detroit? Is it still somebody like Green Bay, who you know maybe is still maybe a touch undervalued? Uh, who who would you give that title to? Could be the Jags.
1: I don't know. It it might it, you know the Jags win twenty four nothing. It's 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 challenging. Um, that's a really good question because you know if if I take market implied power ratings this week based off of the closing spreads. The bottom five would be, Dallas would be considered the worst team in the league based off of the closing spreads today. Um, probably the Jets and Atlanta come in as like the next group. Atlanta's prob- Atlanta's the answer, I think. I think Atlanta is not a bottom three team. I, I, I think they are just too talented offensively to be considered a bottom three team. But just compare Atlanta to like Seattle has nothing offensively or defensively. You know, the Bears have nothing offensively or defensively. I get that the Falcons' defense is bad, but I can rely on them to move the ball, I feel.
0: Yeah, so that's kind of what I was going to allude to is they're a sneaky over team where you look at who they have on offense. You have Mariota, you know, at the helm. But like you said, they can move the ball. They do have a few weapons that can, you know be a, a bit of a game breaker. I've always liked Patterson as, as a player. I liked him when he was on the bears. I thought they underutilized him personally, but um, so they're a team that I look at as a backdoor cover team and a, uh, I, I guess I'll call them an, an over team that has potential. They have
1: potential. So I completely agree with you. Um, I didn't, I, you know, Suma who joined me at on prime time uh, before the game and at the half today, He did play the Atlanta over with the Rams. I did regret not being on that. I mean, listen, I mean, I I play my numbers and I thought 47 was fair. Um, Maybe I was even still underrating the Falcons offense or maybe overrating the Rams defense. But they, unfortunately, because I'd love to ride these Falcons overs. I completely agree with you. They go to Seattle next week, who in my opinion is a team that you want to be backing on the unders they're way too conservative of an offense. In my opinion, they're very limited at quarterback. Their defense is not good. They have lost pieces. They did lose uh, Jamal Adams last week, but ultimately I see this as like another game here where you got teams on the complete opposite end of the spectrum in terms of uh, what I think totals should be in their games and I would have a very difficult time setting this total in particular.
0: So I have to watch this week's game against San Francisco to see what Geno Smith did. I saw his numbers. It felt like a very dink and dunk kind of of way to try and move the ball. And, you know, I'm assuming there's maybe some three and outs and probably a low um, drive success rate, like you were kind of talking about before. That's what I'm guessing. I haven't seen it. Um, so two different potentials completely on offense based on what we've seen out of Seattle so far anyway, like how do you even make them a favorite versus anybody? So what is this game? One, one and a half.
1: Yeah. I, I like probably Seattle is favored just because they're at home. Um, yeah. I think, I think that's a good guess. One, one and a half. I think that's roughly about right. Cause like I'm not, I'm, I, I don't find too much appeal in, in either side at that number. I mean, I still subjectively think Atlanta is better, Um, just looking at the the numbers today for the Seahawks offense, like, Oh, geez, a business, Uh, you know, success rates, not too bad. EPA per play hurt them a lot more. I'm not sure what the turnovers were. I did see a few turnovers in that game, actually on a couple of batted balls. So that definitely contributed, but, um, I'm, I'm very curious at what this total would be. I would guess 44, but the Seahawks total just took one sided money to the under against San Fran this week. Um, Atlanta took money to the under actually, because it did open 47 and I think closed 46 and a half. So maybe we see lower than that, but it, I I'm just inclined to, to think that 44 is, is the right number there.
0: Yeah. At that point, I probably hit the under, I, I'm thinking maybe 42 and a half, 43, but again, You've seen more of the numbers than I have for this week. I'm just very, very low on Seattle. So that's probably more of what it boils down to. The,
1: uh, the last one I'll talk about here, and we, we, we're going to skip a bunch of these because we have two Monday nighters tomorrow. So, you know, Buffalo, Miami is next week should be a great game, but obviously is going to be dependent on what Buffalo does, uh, whether Gabe Davis is playing or not. Um, you know, we have Detroit, Minnesota next week. I think that's a fascinating one as well, because, um, We had a few games between them last year. We had, I guess, a similar game last year where Minnesota was, I don't know, eight, eight and a half point favorite at home, almost blew that game. Detroit was never in it, but they backdoored it. And like Detroit is going to be that appealing team when they're catching points, right? So what is this number? I guess it all depends on what Minnesota does with Philly next week. It's probably, excuse me, on Monday night, it's probably around a touchdown, but I don't know. Uh, We have Raiders going to Tennessee to take on the Titans. Again, could be heavily influenced by if the Titans keep it close against the Bills. Um, We have the Eagles at Washington. Another interesting one because Washington looks horrible at a lot of times. And we don't know about Justin Herbert yet for the Chargers who are hosting the Jags, um, who's got a rib injury. So we have like five games that we really can't discuss, I think, in fairness without knowing the outcomes or the status of justin herbert but we do have the green bay packers covering the spread against the bears uh, on sunday night football they're going to tampa bay next week tampa has been dealing with a number of injuries they absolutely stunk for three quarters today i think they this would be a good one clive if you haven't watched it i would be it, interested in your take in the future on that final quarter of that game because I thought the Bucs benefited from some horrible calls in that fourth quarter that completely swung the game, including a defensive stop by the Saints, which was called a, a helmet-to-helmet hit, where it actually looked like the offensive player lowered his helmet to initiate the contact.
0: I did see that flag that, that extended the drive, and I, I tend to agree. I think that was a very soft penalty at best. I'm wondering if the offensive perception of both of these teams, just based on reputation would be enough that the market would get set higher on a total where an under would be a good play. I'm not thinking about the spread first. I'm thinking about that part first. Um,
1: I agree. I agree. Like high, high forties to me is an, like the bucks defense has played really well for two weeks now. It, 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 you know, and, and like, we, we, I guess we have to see the Green Bay offensive line, whether David Bakhtiari is finally back or not, because that's going be, to be meaningful when he is back for that offense. We have to see if Donovan Smith, the left tackle for the Bucks, is going to play, if Chris Godwin's going to play, if Julio Jones is going to play. So there's a lot of moving factors here. But if you gave me—this for this total cannot be in the 50s, in my opinion— 50s is auto under even high 40s i think is auto under
0: so what would 48 implied be 20 if it's a three-point spread i'm just making up a number
1: yeah i so like a uh, yeah i mean it can't 26 23 type of game would be higher i mean 24 23 is a 47 tampa can't be favored one though they would get all sorts of action at home i don't know i mean yeah it's a it feels like it's got to be it, Green Bay impressed against Chicago. Now, granted, it's Chicago, but Green Bay's, if if you look on the surface at the success rates in the game, yards per play, uh, EPA, it was pretty much a domination. Uh, Green Bay's O-line did have some issues over the course of the game, but it is a primetime game. We do know that that does influence, um, you know. Going people's perceptions of teams going forward. It's probably a lot more people watching Green Bay Chicago than Tampa New Orleans in the middle of the one o'clock slates. And from what they probably saw from Tampa, it was ugly for most of the game. So it it's to me was probably a three, might still be a three, but like minus three plus one hundred type of scenario now rather than just flat.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking so what would my team totals be on the two? Probably 24 and a half and 21 and a half, maybe, maybe slightly juiced a little bit. So that's what I'm thinking. So maybe it's 45 and, you know, like you're mentioning a, a, uh, an under juiced three. That makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. I think it, I, I think it has to be. Um, so when we, you know, when we do 44 key number 47, so there's kind of like a, a dead zone in between there. I don't. I, I kind of feel like it's going to be somewhere in that dead zone. because if it's above forty-seven, it's going to get bet down to forty-seven. Like, it's. I, I would. I feel pretty confidently about that, especially when you consider the amount of under money New Orleans Tampa took this week as well, where that was flooded. Like that. That total. We talked about that on on Forward Progress last week. I think that I, I checked the line on Monday morning. And I'm pretty sure it was like 46 and a half or 47. And it got bad all the way down to another key number of of 44. I think even got below that to 43 and a half at one point today. So um, I I think the market is profiling Tampa as an under team right now.
0: Well, I I hope they wait another week because I want to see what that number opens (laughs) at.
1: I agree. I agree. Uh, I think we've done a good job of going through the games this week. Uh, I do appreciate everyone out there who does listen on a weekly basis. If you do, and you like the content, please give us a like on whatever platform you're listening to. It does mean a lot. You can also hit the subscribe button on any platform that way. As soon as this goes live on Monday morning, you'll wake up in the morning. You'll have an alert on your phone that the episode is up and you'll listen to it. I mean, it's just very easy. That's how I like to do. Mine is, uh, is scheduling, um, what I'm going to listen to on a weekly basis. Um, prime time back tomorrow, in video form. Myself, Eric Eager, going live 7 p.m. Eastern time this week before Buffalo, Tennessee. And then we will be going live at the half of the second Monday Night Football game, Philly, Minnesota. Hopefully, we catch the end of the Buffalo, Tennessee game while we're on air, fingers crossed, and then we can discuss the half of Philly, Minnesota. For those who prefer to consume their content in written form, Fabian Suma, Fabian Suma, friend of the program, part of the Hammer Betting Network, releases his NFL betting takeaways every Monday. It's a great read. Check it out. Cole Karras will be there with his Monday night football player props. The big three for three, college football futures updates. John Fendler, college football market watch. Mondays are a very busy day at the Hammer. There's a ton to consume. Try to do whatever you can show us some support
0: why wouldn't you want to start your monday morning and your week with forward progress like there's nothing better just get it going
1: listen i i agree with you clive i mean hopefully hopefully people are, are finding value in this but i think that they will tomorrow when they wake up and um and check it out so this has been week two of forward progress we'll catch you again next week
0: good luck everyone